Okay, finally, here we go. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Bring it. Yeah, there we go. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here on another Wednesday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time, or as you folks that are persnickety might say, um, 7.03, Dan, why are you late? Yeah, sorry about that. Um, had a little trouble getting in. YouTube kept wanting me to uh, sync my stream, and I go to play my or with my preview, and I go to sync it with the preview and be like, preview not working, try again in a few minutes. And I was like, I don't have a few minutes. So I'd refresh, and on the third time, it finally worked. So we're here. Hey, everybody. Glad you're here. Um, and it's great to see that Candy Overhole's got to make it again. Hey, Candy. Lumpy Dog's here. Howdy. I saw some folks asking where their places were. You should know your places by now. Come on, we've rehearsed this enough. Kayla's Aquatics, welcome. And hopefully 54 Punchy can make it in too. That would be amazing to have all four mods in, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, so I've got some cool stuff to share with you uh, today that I'm excited about. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get right into it as soon as I wet my whistle. So the update for Get Gills is going to be super quick. Jonathan's been doing a lot of stuff, but it's little like cleanup stuff that's mostly on the back end and customer support stuff. So unless he was helping you directly and you guys know who you are, um, you probably didn't notice the other changes because they're subtle and small, but they make the website operate better. He's working right now on making it so that... Um, Right now, it happens that if Stripe isn't set up all the way, like if you set up Stripe and then disengage Stripe, or if you set up Stripe but don't hit the last little thing, um, your items go up for sale. And then what people are running into is they go to buy those items, and since Stripe is not either no longer completely set up or not set up, um, or, or it was uh, set up and then now is not, then when you go to check out, it gives you this error, right? Which is frustrating. So uh, he's working on fixing that so that all the items listed for sale are for sale and can actually be bought and payments processed all the way through. It's a very small number that this happens to. Uh, most, most of the stores are set up all the way with Stripe, but occasionally there's an error when someone goes to set it up or something through Stripe and it just doesn't sync up quite right. The items show up, but then you go to buy them and you get this error at checkout. So for anyone that that's happening to, we apologize. We're aware of the issue. We know it's very seldom that it happens. I think there's only three or four stores. Yeah, that have that issue, but we're clearing that up. And I think in fact that they're, um, I, I think at this point, you won't see that anymore. I think that's all been taken care of. So that's those are some of the things he's working on. So I want to show you something. I'm going to try. These came um, from TSK Supply. These are cold packs. I'm going to open them here on camera. I've never opened them before. I'm getting a lot of questions about summer shipping. And I've tried a few different things this summer. And so far, all the things have been successful. As far as I know, all the shipments that went out Last week when it was pretty hot and this week have been, have arrived in good shape. So what these are, is these are cold packs, believe it or not. They don't look like it, but if you look, you'll see that gel in there. It's just this little pack with a little bit of gel with dry powder in there. And what you do, this is, this is the small size and then this is a larger size. 
And basically what they are is like the normal cold packs you get that are kind of like a gel instead of just, they're not just ice water, right? Um, but because they aren't hydrated yet, they ship really easy and really cheap. I was able to get like 60 of them in this tiny little, not tiny, but comparatively, where's the camera? Tiny little envelope. Um, so what you do is you take those, you cut the ones off that you need, you put them in water, they hydrate, the gel forms, the water mixes with that powder, and you freeze them, and they're like a normal gel pack. So I'm going to try those, see if they do well. The price is really cheap just because it costs almost nothing to ship them to me. Of course, once they're hydrated and I ship them out to you, um, they'll be heavy because they'll have soaked up a bunch of water and stuff. But I can give those a whirl, see if I like them. I'm... I'm ambivalent on the phase 22 packs, the cryo packs that we've tried. They seem to work okay, but they don't seem to work any better. And so for, you know, twice the cost almost, no, twice, sometimes more than twice the cost for those cryo packs, three times sometimes, depending on what you're using. Um, I don't think it's worth it. So I'm trying some other things. Anyway, I'll keep trying, but they're all working so far, it seems like. And half of it is just the extra mass. Having a cold pack in the in the box when you ship on a hot day, just that extra mass of water uh, keeps the temperature more stable because the temperature fluctuates less quickly in the box um, because it has more water, more stuff in it, I guess. So if I'm going to pay for extra mass, I'd rather pay a few bucks instead of like, or a couple bucks instead of like 450, like I was with the cryo pack. So that's kind of what's going on with that experiment. Um, now I want to show you what's about to go up for sale because there's some cool stuff. Um, I've, I've had some of these fish for a while, some only for a couple weeks or so, but let me show you this weekend, what's going to go up. And my goal is to get all these up on Friday. We'll see how that goes, but some really cool species. Here's the first one. It's a neat goby. It's a rhinogobius yaoshinensis. And it looks a lot like a white cheek goby. But, but it's not. <laughs> but if you look in here, like, I don't know, that almost looks like a white cheek goby to me because it still has the white cheeks and the red on them. Um, here's some seriously fish pictures of them. Here's a female, according to seriously fish anyway. These are new species to me, so I'm not quite sure how to sex them well in the male. Anyway, really cool rhinogobius species. I've been out of rhinogobius for a while. Um, here's another one I have. This is rhinogobius candidensis. Or wait, let me say that better. Candidia. I'm trying to say it without saying. <laughs> I'm afraid of the end of this word. I'm afraid of the end of the scientific word. Candidianus. There you go. <laughs> um, really cool rhinogobius. I think this is the one I have. There's a couple other contenders, but it's a different rhinogobius. Um, I'm going to have to like, I think this is it, but it came in is the common name like red sided, which doesn't tell me much like here's red spotted but that's different um so that's what i'm going on for now until i get a better scientific name 
which I hope to do soon, actually. I have some queries out. But another Rhinogobius that's pretty cool. Then the Achilles are going to be available. They're doing great. So these Fundalopanchex filamentosus uh, pairs will be available. I hope to get those up on Friday. Awesome little Fundalopanchex. Same species uh, or same genus as like uh, your typical Gardneri, Fundalopanchex Gardneri, things like that. Same, same genus as the Blue Galeris. Um, really cool fish. My first time keeping this fish and so far they've proven to be hardy and easy going. Um, all the killifish I'm going to show you eat, are eating flakes and pellets with no problem. They like frozen and live foods too, but they're not having any problems with flakes and pellets. Here's the second species of killies that'll be available, um, this weekend. So these are Aphiosimian australi. This is the chocolate form. We, we often see this form up here, this orange or gold form. This is closer to the wild form, uh, but still a really cool fish. Again, eating flakes and pellets, doing well. And then Chromaphiosimian poliaki, which I'm excited about. I haven't kept this particular Chromaphiosimian before. I've kept uh, several, but not this one. And they, and they do look, I mean, they really do look like this. This is, they look a lot like that. Um, here, this is very accurate. Um, in fact, they have more color than this. So this is like a subdued kind of toned down one, I would say. But really cool fish, a lot like, like a Bivitatum or Bitaneatum. Then got some more hyphen uh, Paleotis that'll be available. These guys are about an inch or so, maybe a little bigger, but they're not full grown yet. These little paleotis, little hyphens. And then I got some cichlids. Let me show you these. We're, we've got a few more. We're just a little over halfway done. Um, some Geophagus surinamensis, which I think are fantastic fish. These are young still. We're talking, how big are you? Two, two and a half inches. I've actually had these for... Oh, I don't know. Let's say this is a stock photo. <laughs> I've had them for maybe maybe six weeks um, and they haven't been a problem child, but they weren't fat. They were kind of skinny. So I ran some antiparasite medicines through them and they started fattening up really nicely. So I think they're ready to go. So I've had them for a while, but I haven't really kind of showed you or anything just because I was treating them. But really cool, Geophagus. Um, of course, there's this one, but we all know Photoshop when we see it. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but that is a lot of color. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of red on that fish. Um, then some others that we got were some Festivums. These are adult size. I'd say they're around three inches, maybe getting close to four inches. So these are good sized um, festivums. For those that don't know, they're a lot like an angelfish. They're uh, compact, as you can see, kind of tall, and they, uh, they're not super aggressive. Like I've got the group all together and they do what angelfish do. They don't really bother each other. Occasionally they kind of go back and forth briefly and, and they're doing well. Um, Another cichlid, the keyhole cichlid, one of my all-time favorites. These are little guys, inch and a half, maybe inch to inch and a half-ish. Some of the other ones are a little bigger, but don't be upset if your fish is an inch or so. Um, that's about the size they are. And by the way, I, I like getting 
every now and then I can't help it and I have to get them in a bigger size. But whenever I can, I like getting uh, cichlids and stuff at around an inch because they ship so well at that size. And and they don't cost as much to ship either at that size. So it's a win-win. It's a win for the fish because they ship easier. And it's a win for us because it doesn't cost so much to, to ship them. Some more um, Burmese clouded archer fish. I've just absolutely fallen in love with these. I uh, They're super hardy. They're doing great. Like each batch I've got. And I think this is maybe my fourth batch, I think. Um, but each batch has done really well. And I've got from several different suppliers. So I just think it's a hardy fish. Freshwater archer fish. Doesn't need brackish at all, which is awesome. The Empire Gudgeons are ready to go. In fact, they've been ready to go. Um, but I've just held on to them a little longer just to make extra sure because they're a pricey fish. And then for those that have been waiting, this is the last one I'll show you. The Threadfin Rainbows. And you're like, that's not a Threadfin Rainbow. It is, but it's a female. So we're all familiar with the males, right? And by the way, they really do look this good, if not better, when they spar. I mean, they are absolutely stunning. But have a nice batch of females, came in nice and fat, is still nice and fat. Um, I think they're going to breed well for you. So for everyone that's been waiting for females, I know they're hard to find, but I got a great batch and they're ready to go. So that is what's going on as far as... Um, the stuffs, <laughs> the stuffs that will be going up for uh, sale soon at dancefish.com. And I know it's been a while since I posted a lot of new fish. Um, I, for those that don't know, I used a supplier and they went out of business. And so for the last couple of weeks, while they were kind of trying to save their business, things were tight and I wasn't getting fish from them and orders were being shorted and stuff. So for about three weeks, I just didn't get many new fish. And... Um, now we're kind of recovering from that. We have a new supplier and um, yeah, so we're back on track. Got a bunch of new stuff in this week too that I'll, I'll show you later when it's closer to ready to go. Um, but that is what I was excited about. I'm super excited about those rhinogobias. And the more I look at, the more I look at this one, sorry, real quick. Um, the more I'm not sure if that's what it is. I'll have to, yeah, I'm going to have to look a little more. I, rhinogobies are tricky. They're this large group of fish and uh, they're, I don't know if it's that they are just new to science or if science is going in and, and kind of reworking the group or if they just, a lot of them look similar or what. I know for a fact that the fact that we use trade names that are inaccurate and kind of just slapped on any old fish makes it really complicated for me because when I order them, it's usually not a scientific name or anything. It's usually like red-sided rhinogobius. It's like, oh, great. What's that? <laughs> and then you got to go look, right? But finally, you might not remember, but a few years ago, um, I've had a lot of white-cheeked Gobies, uh, Rhinogobius uh, duosphilus, I think, or duosphorus, something like that. Used to be wooey, which is fun. Um, I've never got Rhinogobius to eat prepared foods. It was always live or frozen. But this batch, I've gotten to eat flakes and pellets. So I'm really excited about that. So for the first time ever, they're eating flakes and pellets, and it just makes it so easy to feed them and keep them.
Oh, I missed a super chat. I apologize. Let me see who done did that and give them my thanks before we continue on. Amp, Amp, you're, Amp, hey, great to see you. I'm so glad you're back. Glad that you're feeling well enough to be here. That's great. Hey, sorry I've been slacking. I just started chemo and radiation this week, so hopefully we'll have a little more free time soon. Hope everyone is doing awesome. Ten bucks. Hey, Amp, I'm just glad you're here and feeling well enough to join us. Um, No worries whatsoever. Always good to see you. So good to see you again in the live stream. For those that don't know, Amp Aquatics um, is also a, a moderator on the Get Gills Facebook group. She's awesome, Amber, and um, just glad you could make it here. Yeah, good to see you. All right, so that's kind of the update on what's going on with me. What we'll do now is I'll start looking for comments and questions to respond to. So. If you have a comment or question, if you'd make it at Dan's Fish so it highlights for me, I'll see it, I'll get right to it, and I'll respond to you. If I'm not getting to your question or comment, it's not because I'm ignoring you on purpose, it's because it's not highlighting for me, or the chat is jumping, which reminds me, I'm going to move this from top chat to live chat, because people tell me that helps with things. Hope it does. I'm not sure what the difference is between live chat and top chat. I should educate myself about that, I suppose. <laughs> oh, man. Now I, now it looks like since I did that, it looks like I lost a bunch of stuff, which I don't want to do. Yeah, I'm going to keep it on top chat because when I did that, it looked like a lot of stuff got lost. Nope. Okay, I'm going to put it back to live chat. If for some reason I don't get to yours, it's because it's because it just isn't showing me. So if you'd relist it, if I'm past you and haven't responded, that would be awesome. All right. Whew. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Guys, it's been busy. It's been super busy. 54 Punchy made it. All right. We're all here. The whole gang is here. Awesome. Uh-oh, Maria Z was bad today. Didn't highlight, but I saw bad, so it drew my eye. Let's see how bad she was. I was very bad today. Bought three new Japanese koi for the pond today after work. Couldn't help myself. Yep. MTS, the addiction is real. <laughs> I hear you. All right, the first one I see is from Jeff Chambers. Uh, that's what live chat's doing. Jeff Chambers Surnamensis are supposed to be mean ones. No, uh, they haven't been for me, but uh, I don't know. Could someone else chime in? I've honestly, I've never really met a geophagus that if kept in groups were a problem. I mean, once they go to spawn, of course, you have those issues that you have with any any fish but uh, or any cichlid. But no, not, not for me. They haven't been mean. So someone else, could you let us know? If, if you have experience with Surinamensis and they've been more aggressive than your other geophagus, uh, please drop your knowledge. Lucky Pete, sending me a buck. Lucky Pete, thank you so much. Always appreciated. Never required. But it does make the wife super happy. Thanks. Appreciate it. 54 Punch of the Art of Fish Keeping. If anyone has any questions for Dan, be sure to put at Dan's Fish so he sees them. Yep, that's right. Thank you so much. Candy, thanks for posting my email. Um, 
All right. All the mods are doing the mod stuff. Thank you, mods. I appreciate you very much. <laughs> Your name here at Dancefish saved the best for last. <laughs> I see it. It worked. See, it works. I was going to say every time, almost every time. Maria Z, save me three females and two males. Email me. Um, I'm not sure what fish we're talking about, but. <laughs> um, so I, I don't say fish for people. I'm going to post them, I think, on Friday. Uh, it could be Saturday before some of them get up there. But uh, so everyone has an equal chance, basically. Of Deloriac Peterson, good to see you again. Hello at Dan's Fish and everyone. Well, hello. Jeff Chambers, plants are the same way. There are like 16 plants. They're all called Black-Eyed Susan. Use the Latin name, people. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a back and forth thing. It's a give and take. Like, So I was lucky. I was raised as a killifishophile. That's like my first love was killifish. And we always used the scientific names. And so... I just got accustomed to doing that from the very beginning of the hobby back when I was a young teenager. So Latin names, I mean, I don't always know how to say them, but I know how to read them and, and identify the fish and all that. It's not that confusing to me. Um, I think the reason for common names is, well, A, the industry is trying to sell stuff. So they say like super red, most beautiful glowing bright fish, right? And it's this brown fish with a little orange on the fin, right? But um, they're trying to sell stuff. But the other one is I think that they're trying to make things accessible to the average person. But I agree. If I had my way, it would be all scientific names all the time. It'd just be so much, so much less confusing. Of course, until the scientists start disagreeing, then it gets confusing even then. But yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But I don't, I don't begrudge people using uh, using common names. That's that's just how most people go. I, I hear you. Though I'm, yeah, it would be nice. Fish review. Um, I had a few Corys hashed today. Awesome. Congrats. That's great. And I had them in a breeder net. Ooh, somehow they managed to get out now and they've been eaten. Could I move them to a container and do around four water and it cuts off? Let me see if there's more. Four water changes a day and put them in the net once. Are they big enough? So the first thing I would say, if you haven't done so, is I have a video on breeding and raising Corydoras, which, uh, oh, it's been a while. I think takes you through the whole process from spawning to collecting eggs to eggs hatching and all that. And I use containers. So I do just that. I take them out of the tank. I put them in a container. I use a little bit of hydrogen peroxide. And I change the water three, four times a day. And each time I change the water, I add fresh hydrogen peroxide. That's the way I do that. Um, you can use methylene blue as well. It just gets stuff blue. Just be aware of that, but it works well. That's how I've had the most success is just take them out. Lots of water changes. And let's see here. What kind of quarries are they? I don't know what kind of quarries these are, but so far I have not found a corridor that the eggs won't do well in a container without aeration or anything, as long as I change the water frequently. I bet that one day I'll run into a species that is more riverine or something and needs uh, high flow and stuff like that. But as of, as of now, they work well in containers. So fish review, that's what I would recommend. Uh, that's what works for me. The nets are okay, but sometimes fish will like suck 
eggs and fry through the net. And also those tiny little pores in the net, they clog super quickly. So you think you're getting good water flow through there, but over time you're not. Um, eventually it, yeah, eventually they kind of clog. So if you're going to use some kind of like breeder trap like that, I'd recommend the ones that hang on your aquarium and have the water actively pumped up into it and flowing out of it. So you get good water exchange and air exchange and stuff. Did Candy throw money at me? Did I miss it? Candy overholes, four, five bucks. Wow. Thanks, Candy. Because you made time for Caleb to unbox the fish. He loves it so much. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Candy. Thanks for the five bucks. See, I feel like I should be paying my mods. You guys do a lot for me, but I appreciate that. Thanks. And I actually, when I was up there Monday, I was like, I should go by, but time was ticking. It was a big order and I was stressed. So I was like, no, nah, I got to get, I, I, I had to get back, finish mailing the rest of the, oh, it was crazy. So forgive me for not uh, stopping by on Monday, but I love taking time for Caleb. I love seeing that kid. He looks so much better um, and so much happier. And um, yeah, I'm just so glad that he's doing well. So thank you for the super chat and thanks for having me over. It's, it's just a pleasure to be with you guys when I can be. Um, all right. Lucky Beat, thank you for the series on quarantine and all you do. Hey, you're welcome. I'm glad you like it. I'm really glad the the views aren't really high on that. And I guess that makes sense. Like most people that want to watch a fish video want to see like pretty fish, right? That's what they want to see. Um, stressed out, newly shipped fish in like green water full of medicine. Eh. But I think that those that, that are interested in that and how that works, I, I think it's worth it even for that small group. Cause I think it's a group that's like really highly devoted and, and wants that kind of stuff. Right. There aren't, there's a few, there's a few places that talk about medicating fish and landing fish. That's, that's uh, I guess industries speak for like landing fish, how to, for getting fish off a plane and bringing them home or to your facility and taking care of them. Um, so I'm glad that there's a, at least a small contingent of folks that think it's interesting. So there's not high views, but there's high engagement. So not many people watch it, but those that do that are into it are really into it. There's a lot of comments and a lot of questions and stuff regarding it. So I think it's worth doing just to get the information out there. And by the way, I want to say this. Um, the way I treat fish when they first come in doesn't necessarily have isn't necessarily the way it has to be, right? I, I, I want to make this clear that I'm doing something specific is I'm regularly importing fish in large numbers. And I have a facility with a quarantine system all set up that's not going to get damaged by the meds I use and all this stuff. So it works well for me. Um, and I want to share the information just because I think the more you know, right, then, then the more you can make decisions on how you want to do things. But I don't know if the way I do things is something that I would say every hobbyist should do. Or people say, if I buy fish from you, should I do that too? Honestly, I wouldn't. If I was buying fish from me, I would put them in a well-established aquarium by themselves, hopefully, but really well-established. It's not going to go through 
little mini cycles or ammonia spikes or nitrite spikes or anything like that. And I would just observe them for probably about a month. The first week I would probably put anti-ick medicine in because that takes care of a whole lot of external parasites and stuff. And, uh, I don't think it's very stressful to the fish and it won't harm the system. It's not going to hurt the biological filter or anything like that. So if I was buying fish for me, that's kind of how I would do it. And if I saw an issue during that month or so, then I would medicate specifically for that. But be aware that the meds I use, they will absolutely destroy an aquarium because they will kill the biological system completely. So any beneficial bacteria you have will be wiped out. So um, I think I made that very clear in the videos, but just be aware that if you have a tank and you don't have a quarantine tank, you're not going to want to use those antibiotics because they'll destroy your tank. In that case, use something else, right? Okay. Anyway, um, but it works for me. It works for me really well and has for a long time. So since I've, yeah, since I bring in tons of stuff and it's, it's got to do well because A, I like fish and B, because it's my living. Um, that's the system I've developed. Killers Aquatics. No, at Dan's Fish Top Chat doesn't show all the comments. Live chat does. Okay, cool, cool. It just like showed like all the stuff that was highlighted up top was gone when I moved to live. Maybe it just moved it down, but I was afraid it like got it out of there and was putting different stuff. I don't know. Next time. Next time I will remember to uh, switch to live chat before I start and then I won't have any issue at all. <laughs> all right. 80 watching. Hey, that's great. 80 watching for this little channel is awesome. Um, only a couple of weeks ago, we were like, what, 40 or 50 regularly. So 79, 80. That's cool. That's cool. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to like or share this out and get more people in here, that would be greatly appreciated. If you don't want to, that's cool. I get it. Like, but if you do, if you do, <laughs> Chewy made it. Hello. Oh, and it jumped on me. Of course. There he goes. Marie Z, the thread fins. Okay, cool. Yep. Well, they'll be up uh, Friday and they're looking great, by the way. I'm really happy with them. Josh B, what plecos have you dabbled with? Um, are they out right now? In this tank... They're not out right now. So not a ton in my personal collection. I've, I've done several in stores I've worked at or facilities I've worked at, but like that I've kept and cared specifically in my facility or in my fish room or collection or something, not many. Right now I have some L182s or they might be 183s. I can never remember. They're the uh, Starlight Plecos. And they're the ones that don't keep the white margin on the caudal fin once they mature. I forget if it's 182 or 183. I'd have to look it up. And then I've got it right now about 100 albino bushy nose. Um, just, you know, generic, straight up old hobby bushy nose. So nothing super spectacular. Well, I think they're spectacular. They're beautiful. Nothing like rare or intriguing or anything like that. So I don't do a ton with plecos. I'm not a big pleco guy. I like clown plecos a lot because they stay small. I like rubber nose plecos a lot or rubber plecos a lot. Same reason. But I, I haven't kept a ton of plecos. I rely on other people for pleco knowledge. <laughs> but we have some great pleco people in the stream. Um, TM Aquatics is often here and breeds some really cool stuff. 
pleco-wise. Mile High Plecos comes in a lot and knows a lot. So if you throw a question out there in chat, if you've got one, I bet some people will jump all over it. And there's others too. Uh, sorry if I didn't mention your name and you're like, wait a minute. I'm the Pleco expert. Sorry. Michael Wentworth, if you can only keep one live food culture for the whole room, what is it? Why? Oh, BBS, vinegar eels, white worms, black worms, lots of options. BBS. I mean, if I could only ever do one live food, it would be baby brine shrimp, which is for those that might not know BBS, baby brine shrimp. Most of you probably know, but every now and then I hear like this series of letters and I'm like, what the, what is that? And I feel like an idiot. So <laughs> baby brine shrimp, it's so useful um, for raising baby fish. It's amazing for getting uh, finicky fish to eat. It's amazing for getting small species to spawn. It's amazing. Yeah. Baby brine shrimp, hands down. If I could only do one live food ever again. My mods keep throwing money at me. 54 Punchy, thanks so much for the super chat. $3 and a funny emoji. I can't wait to go camping with you. I can't wait till September when we get to go camping. Um, and then I, I think I saw another one. Let me just jump to it right now. The fish tank barn. Hey, so good to see you. No more professor. Professor? Hey, professor. Now I'm Sean Connery. No more professor. Fish Warehouse Fund. Thanks so much. By the way, on the Fish Warehouse front, I am meeting with an accountant tomorrow to square some things away. Um, and we're getting real close to actually going to folks and saying, please, sir, may I have some money? <laughs> so looking for investors, basically. We're real close. So I've been working away on that. All right, 78 watching. Ooh, ooh. Let's see here. Those other live foods you mentioned, vinegar eels, yeah, I like them, but baby brine shrimp are easier. White worms, uh, baby brine shrimp are more versatile. Like you can feed tiny little fry as well as lots of adult fish with them. Black worms, same reason. I like black worms, but uh, fry really need live food. Most fry do really well on live food. And BBS is where it's at for that. Chewy LTD, are you doing this quarantine system videos from an aspect of a supplier? How do you change that system as a hobbyist? Okay, so um, if I was getting the fish from me, I would do what I said. Long-term uh, quarantine, just observation with some ick meds during the first week just to kind of get them through the stress. Um, if I was buying from other places that did not quarantine... If I had, I mean, personally, I would invest in a, 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 in a quarantine tank so I could medicate them. I've just seen, because here's what's happening. The, the people that are, most of the people that are selling you fish are buying the fish from the same people I am. And you see how they come in and they get them, they dump them right in the tank and they're for sale right then. So what you're dealing with is usually the same thing I'm dealing with just a day or two later, right? Which sometimes is worse. So that's how I would do it. But if I was a hobbyist and I didn't have, um, 
it's very hard for me to recommend buying fish without quarantine. That's the bottom line. Whether it's observational or prophylactic treatment or what, whatever, it's very hard for me to recommend anyone get fish without a quarantine period because you're just putting your entire collection at risk. If you have this big, beautiful aquarium or even a small aquarium and you love it and you love the fish in there and everything, I I just can never in good conscience recommend, okay, get a new fish, put it in there and then treat with something because the likelihood of wiping that whole tank out is just, is pretty high. Eventually it will happen if you keep doing that. So I don't think I can recommend getting fish without quarantine. I recognize a lot of people don't have a quarantine option. In that case, get them from someone reliable, <laughs> get them from a fellow hobbyist uh, locally that you can see their stuff, get them from a store after they've been there for several weeks and you've seen, okay, they're not losing weight. They're not pinched up. They're doing well. Even a few weeks after they arrive. Um, that's the kind of thing I would try doing, but it's really hard for me to recommend getting fish without some kind of quarantine because you can easily wipe out your entire system. And I bet there's many people here that could tell you stories about it. So even the average hobbyist personally, I think should have a quarantine system, but if you don't do your best to let the people you're buying the fish from take the risk. And by that, I mean, let them be there a while before you get them. But it's still a risk. It's still a risk. Okay. Um, hang on. It jumped. <laughs> it so jumped on me. Why is it so hard? Man, I wish YouTube would do something about this. I'm not sure why stuff jumps so easily. But it's crazy. Fish review at Dan's Fish. Don't have a separate tank to put them in. So could I keep them in a container? Yeah until they're big enough to not get through the net with no meth blue or hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, um, what I'm talking about fish reviews, I keep them in a little plastic container, no aeration, no nothing. So I take out the eggs, I put them in that. I usually use hydrogen peroxide, change the water three, four times a day, add fresh hydrogen peroxide each time. Once they hatch, stop putting in the hydrogen peroxide, keep up the water changes and feed in there. And I'll do that until they're free swimming and they're eating okay and all that. And then I'll maybe move them into a, another tank or container or something. But absolutely, you can, you can keep them in another container and grow them. Um, would, what's that flow through? Mods, I'm going to ask for your help real quick. If one of you could post the flow through kind of fry box system you know the one that sits on the outside of your tank, the the water is bubbled up into the tank and flows out. So it's constant flow through. Fish review, this, this little contraption that one of the mods I hope will post really is the best way to do it. Um, a net, in my experience, and I've tried them, I've, I think I've tried them all over the years. A net doesn't work for me because A, the fry and the eggs can get sucked through the net by your other fish, they'll just snack on them till they manage to pull them through or chew them through the net or something. And B, if those nets pores are small enough that tiny little frying eggs aren't going to fall through, then they're small enough to clog super easily. And then everything stagnates and dies. And it's like, why are they dying? They're in this healthy tank in this net. That's generally why. So there's this flow through system that works really well. You just hang it on the outside of your tank. 
Um, and uh, hopefully it'll get linked up here for you. Or, or you could Google it yourself. Fry box flow through system. I, I can't remember who makes it. Is it Aquion? I can't remember. I can't remember. It looks almost like a hang on back filter, but it's for fry. Um, really the best thing if you have to have something in your tank or on your tank attached to your tank for this, in my opinion. All right. Fish review. The female last time laid near enough all infertile eggs. They're all infertile, so not fertile. Oh, yeah, I'm guessing because that's a frowny face. Or, or if they were moved into a net and it, it just wasn't quite right, they might have been fertile and just died off on you. That does happen a lot. Um, I have the best experience personally when I remove them to another container and treat with hydrogen peroxide or methylene blue to prevent fungus and stuff. Chewy LTD, antibiotics are against biology. What do you think of foods that have probiotics? Never mess with it. Um, I'm familiar with what probiotics are. They just basically help the beneficial bacteria in the gut of an organism flourish. So the idea is that that then helps the organism flourish. And it very well could be the case. I've just never messed with them. So since I have no experience with them, I just don't have an opinion. <laughs> Bob Kaler, Kaler's Aquatics, $3 super chat. And I'm laughing because of the emoji with the bright nail polish. <laughs> That's a great emoji. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it very, very much. Oh, did I miss another one? I did. Sorry, Keith. I totally missed it. Keith Bordley, for all the info you share. Hey, Keith, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Always appreciated, never required, but it does make Brenda super happy. And really, I mean, it all helps, right? This is uh, not the highest margin business in the world, and we're just starting, and so it all helps. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Benjamin DeBellis, not highlighted, but super caps. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, you really wanted an answer. <laughs> Hi, how long before the Threadfin females will be ready? I'm not really yelling. The bills you send me are lonely. Um, I plan on listing them on Friday. They're ready. I just need to get them listed. So probably Friday is when they'll be live. I mean, if it's Saturday, forgive me. It might be Saturday. I'm glad the males are doing well, though. And by the way, if you just type the at symbol and dance fish, it'll highlight for me and you won't have to all cap me. <laughs> Lippy dog, dance fish. I don't think our chat is busy enough for top chat to emit posts. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I just never dug into top chat versus live chat. I guess I've always been doing top chat, not because I knew it, but it just defaults to that. Like I've just never changed it. I didn't even realize there was a difference until a few weeks ago when someone mentioned it. Because I'm an amazing YouTuber who knows nothing about YouTube, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, Lumpy Dog, I agree. We're not like uh, Aquarium Co-op where it's just like streaming. Two ELTD. Sorry, Dan. I was watching a feature premiere dealing with the capture of fish in the Rio Negro. Cool. You know by a fish to save a tree. What do you think of that program? I don't know that specific program, but... I, I very much like programs. If that's Project Piaba, I know it. I love projects like that, and I think they're awesome. 
So, okay, I'll make this brief because we're all probably familiar. But for those that might be unfamiliar, there's this negative bias um, that people have against wild caught fish. They think you're taking a fish from its environment. You're depleting the environment. That can't be good. The truth is, though, there's a lot of aquarium fish that that doesn't impact their population at all. And it really helps the local economy. So folks that catch fish for the trade and sell them have an incentive to keep that habitat uh, productive, meaning keep it healthy so the fish keep breeding and keep being there year after year, right? If they couldn't do that, they'd probably be doing things like strip mining or cutting down timber or farming or other things that really put those habitats in, in danger. They just destroy habitat. So if there are populations of fish which are not impacted negatively by capture that can be sold to the aquarium trade and the people that live there can make a living doing that, it's an awesome scenario. And by the way, any fish that comes from a really seasonal explosion and decline of population is perfect for this. There are lots of species out there that every year there's a rainy season and a dry season in, in like the tropical rainforest, let's say. Sometimes there's a rainy season and dry season twice a year. Usually it's once a year. You get one of each. Um, and what happens is during the rainy season, there's a bunch of new water. All the fish go. They spawn like crazy. And populations just explode exponentially. The tetras do this. The cardinal tetra is the poster child for this. The population just absolutely explodes. Then the dry season happens. Everything kind of shrinks down. All these little tiny fish are forced into more direct contact with their predators. And they get predated on like crazy. Their population plummets. But the fish has evolved to take care of this. So the next time it rains, the population absolutely explodes again. So species that do that, there is no problem collecting large numbers of them because that's surviving that and overcoming that is already built into their biology. It's just part of the normal course of their year. So I think that projects like that, Chewy, are fantastic. What I hate and what really, really upsets me is when I hear about things like cyanide being used to collect fish, where um, unscrupulous collectors will go and pollute the water, poison the water, so the fish rise to the surface so they can just pick them up and, and collect them. Um, things like that. Non-sustainable collection methods, I suppose I should say. Now, um, I don't think the vast majority of freshwater fish are collected that way. There, For a long time, a lot of saltwater organisms were, and there was a big outcry, and I don't think that's happening I'm not as much into the saltwater hobby. I, I know that there's there's things in place to help prevent that. And suppliers are being held at a certain standard uh, to make sure they're not buying from thing, places that do that and things. But that really upsets me because that's short-term thinking, right? That's, okay, what can I get today? And now that place is just in trouble. It's been really, really damaged versus how do we collect sustainably and keep this going long-term? And I think Project Piaba does a good job with the long-term thing. There's a few others like it. So Chewy, if that's the project you're, you're asking about, I love it. 
But there's also a lot of things that happen that probably aren't as useful and um, a lot of bandwagon stuff that, you know, you'd have to really vet. You don't want to support something and then find out, ooh, they're actually thrashing the environment, right? But in general, in general, over the last few decades, our hobbies got much better at sustainable collection, at knowing where the fish come from, at... Uh, now, it's not perfect. There's ways to go, but we're, we're much more in tune with that. I, I, I feel much more comfortable buying fish now than I did a while ago, um, just because in general, and I'm speaking generally, we're, we're making improvements on making sure things are either farmed or collected sustainably. So those are my thoughts, Chewy, on that kind of stuff. 54 Punchy, if anyone has questions, all right. Be sure to put at Dan's fish so he sees them. Yep, yep. Josh B., what was your career pre-fish? I remember you saying you spent a long time in school. So I've always done fish, but it's always been a hobby. Um, since I was 13, 14 years old, I've kept and bred aquarium fish. Loved it. Loved it so much I didn't get in much trouble. Like, I didn't have time or money to get into drugs. I was too busy with fish, <laughs> right? It was really great for a kid to have a passion like that that was healthy. But my career for most of my adult life has been in the theater, in the entertainment industry, and for the last seven, eight years as a professor. Um, I was a tenured professor at Sheridan College. I taught theater. Uh, seven years, I believe, I did that. And um, just kept wanting to spend more time with the fish, honestly. Like, I love theater, and I liked what I did, but... I'd find myself like working in the fish room and then having to go teach a class and like being like, man, I don't want to go teach. I want to stay here. So I decided I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> so I did that. But yeah, a uh, theater professor is the latest. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing at Bob Kaler's newest little dancing emoji. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> $3 for the guy whatever that is. <laughs> That's awesome. Less nail polish, but still fun. <laughs> James Handel, angelfish fry, just BBS or any other safe supplemental food. Um, you can feed lots of things, but I've never had a problem with just BBS until they get a little bit of size and then you can start mixing in like flake foods and pellets and stuff like that. So I don't think that just BBS until they get to that point is detrimental at all. I've never seen any like nutrition deficiencies or anything from feeding fried just B BBS. That being said, there is a ton of stuff you could feed um, as a supplement or just to like round out the diet. Um, vinegar eels are good. All kinds of little like paramecium's you can grow. Um, Daphnia are awesome. I like putting scuds in with them because then all the little scud babies are just kind of constant food that appears and they just kind of pick off. There's all kinds of little things like that. My favorite way to raise fish fry is in a scud culture and then throw in BBS a few times a day because then between feedings of BBS, they're eating the scuds and all the other organisms in that culture. And if I accidentally overfeed the BBS, Baby brine shrimp, for those that don't know, BBS is baby brine shrimp. Um, if I'd accidentally overfeed, then the scuds eat like 
all the excess food. So I don't have problems overfeeding in those systems. That's my absolute favorite way is to actually grow the fry out in a live food culture. You just have to change enough water to keep the water chemically clean. And you can pack a bunch of fry in with a bunch of live food. And it's awesome. Fish review. Don't have a separate tank to put them in. So could I keep them in container? Okay, I think we already... I feel like we already did that. And yeah, you don't have to use methylene blue or hydrogen peroxide fish review, but it sure does help. But if you have a good flow through, then uh, you might not have too many problems. You will if it's stagnant, though. Uh, Brandon S., do you ever get a chance to get better macrostoma? Yes, I get a chance every week to get better macrostoma pairs in. I can get them in anytime I want. I don't do it for a couple of reasons. The main reason is the price I would get them at is too high. So what I'd have to pay to get them in is too high to compete with what other folks are selling them for. I would have to sell them for a few hundred bucks a pair for the price I'm getting them at. And, and I don't want to do that. The other reason is Max uh, can take a lot of tank space. And if I did get them, I'd want to set up several different tanks with several different pairs and get a kind of a line going. And I just don't have the space to do that right now. And if I just got a pair and put it in one tank or something, it'd be fun for a little while. But then I know I'd get frustrated because I'd want that bigger thing going with them. So, yes, I can get them, but I don't get them into resell just because the price doesn't make sense. So there. There's a certain margin, and I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is, but I have to buy fish at a price, mark them up a certain amount, and resell them in order to stay in business. And there are fish that are so expensive that I can't make even much of a portion of that margin if I resell them. And in this business, it isn't how much, say, let's say I get a pair of Max, um, they're going to cost me 100 to 150 bucks a pair, let's say. Okay. Let's say I sell, let's say they cost 150 bucks. I'm just throwing a number out there and I sell them for 200 bucks. It's like, great, you made 50 bucks. Well, it's not about that. It's not about how much you sell them for. It's about margin. So it's about how much you can mark them up. And I can't mark up the max or or other fish enough to sell them to stay in business. Because it's not about how much you make on a single sale. It's about margin. If that makes sense. So even a little fish, let's say I spend a dollar on a fish um, and I can do my normal markup on it. Yeah, I'm not making 50 bucks when I sell that fish or even anything even close to it, but I'm making enough margin to stay in business. So that's kind of the that's kind of the the thought behind that. So there's a lot of fish out there that just cost so much that I can't mark them up enough to be in safe margin. Ty, hey, thanks for the super chat. Ty Hunsicker. For some of your knowledge, also bought some Flucazole because of your video the other night. Knowledge is awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah, that stuff hasn't done me wrong yet. It doesn't treat every disease, but when you need a Bendazole product, it sure is easy to use. By the way, someone said that they they buy liquid Fenbendazole, I think, like for injections and use that. 
I haven't looked into that yet, but that might be a possibility. Still not sure if it would absorb in, though, so I'd have to check that out. Um, what I mean by that is there's some medicines that have to actually be eaten in order to be effective to actually get into the fish's system. And there's others that are just absorbed through the skin and the gills and such. And the nice thing about flubendazole is it's just absorbed into the fish. They don't have to eat it for it to be effective. And what I'm wondering is if the injectable, um, I think it was fenbendazole, which is a little bit different, um, would be absorbed or would have to be eaten. I'd have to answer that question before I knew if I wanted to try it or not. Fish review. How do you trigger breeding as well for Corey? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the answer that popped in my head was lots and lots of tacos, but uh, you mean Corey Doris. Um, sorry, sorry, Corey. It's just, it's just too funny. Um, for Corey Doris, there's a few things that the standard standby that works pretty well is a big water change, 50%, 70%, something like that. That's a few degrees cooler than your water. So if you keep your tank at 75 degrees, make your water change, make the fresh water coming in, maybe 68 degrees. Do a 50 to 70% water change and do it as a storm's rolling in. Right as that barometric pressure is dropping, do the water change. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is keep a species of quarry that's really easy to breed and some species of quarry that are not easy to breed. And when the easy to breed quarries are breeding, scoop water out of their aquarium and put it in the tank with the hard to breed quarries. And the idea is that when the fish breed, they release chemical signals and stuff that will get the uh, difficult to breed quarries to go. Uh, that's the theory. The other thing that they always need to breed is just tons of food, like lots of food. They, they eat a lot and to produce all those big eggs, they need a lot of food. So I would do that no matter which method you're using. And then when I have tried everything and still can't get them to breed, I've, I'm feeding them a lot, they're plump, I've changed the water, nothing. I've tried all the things. Then the last thing is just move them to a completely different aquarium. Sometimes that'll trigger it. I don't know why, but sometimes it will. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how you trigger breeding for Corydoras. Of Deloriac Peterson, how do you hatch brine shrimp? Oh, I should, I need to do a video on that. I have a fancy handy dandy container. Um, you've probably seen them. It's like an inverted water bottle and it's got a little nozzle on the bottom that I can turn on or off. Um, and that's the container I use. But basically what I do is two liters of water, a heaping quarter cup of rock salt, really coarse rock salt. This stuff, super cheap, like five bucks for 40, 50 pounds at Home Depot or whatever. And um, then I bubble them and that's it. I don't put in sodium bicarbonate. I don't put in anything. I have soft water. I've never had a problem. Um, on a warm summer day like this, they're within 24 hours easily ready to go. Uh, and during the winter, it might take a day and a half before they really hatch. And I have two of those containers and I just rotate them. Or when I want a lot, I just, you know, do two batches at once sometimes. But that's, that's how I hatch them. 
Then when they're ready to go, when it's kind of turned orange in there, and I know that there's a hatch, I turn off the uh, bubbler. I wait, I set my, this is important. I set my alarm for seven minutes because when I don't, I forget and I kill the entire batch. So I set my alarm for seven minutes after I turn off the bubbler. That gives the baby brine shrimp time to settle to the bottom and then the eggshells will float to the top, but not enough time for them to settle to the bottom and compact and suffocate, just enough to kind of separate. Then I open the valve at the bottom of the bottle and it all flows into a container. And I just turn off the valve before we get to the top where the, uh, where the eggshells are before that drains down. That's how I do it. And I do it every day. It works great. Okay. If you're wondering where the heck in the chat is this guy, how far behind is he? I just got to Keith Bordley's super chat of five bucks. Thanks again, Keith. Varanid guy. Just posted Petco is doing their dollar per gallon sale right now. If you need a QT tank, tank lid sponge filter is all you really need. Yep. And if you're using gram negative uh, antibiotics that cure, that treat, that kill gram negative bacteria, you don't even need a filter. Um, You do if you want a long-term system, but yep. For the nitrofurazone and canamycin, don't even use a filter because that medicine will kill the filter. And you'll get a big ammonia spike from all the dead bacteria and stuff. But yeah, that's right. Tank lid, sponge filter. That's really all that you need. I agree. And hey, I didn't know that. I'm going to go to Petco tomorrow and get a bunch of tanks because I'm going to set up on, on my shelf that's free. It doesn't have anything on it. I'm Well, it has junk on it, but it shouldn't have anything on it. I'm going to uh, put several aquariums and do some in-depth videos on a species. Uh, so I'll breed in there um, or I'll set up a nice kind of aquascape <laughs> to the best of my ability aquarium to take nice pictures of fish. Cause man, I like, here's the hardest part. Okay. Let me show you guys this. This is the hardest part about my store um, is my pictures. Like I don't have that skill set. And I don't have good equipment and I don't have the setup. So if you notice, like a lot of my stuff doesn't even have a picture on it. It should. I should have an awesome picture on it. And those that do have pictures, like this is not a good picture. This is not a good picture. This isn't even a good picture. Like I'm bad at pictures. Look at this. Like, does that picture make you want to buy that Balzani cichlid? Like it doesn't show its color. It doesn't. It's just the best I could do after clicking a hundred times. I was like, this, this just has to work. I don't have all day to get this picture of this one fish. So if you're wondering um, why it sometimes takes me a while to post fish, it's because it takes me forever to get the picture. So anyway, I'm thinking uh, a few even little 10-gallon aquariums, maybe some 20s uh, that look nice and I can put the fish in there. It won't be such a big tank that they can get away easily and maybe I can get some better pictures. So I've been waiting for that sale. So thanks for telling me about the Petco sale. I'm going to go tomorrow. All right. Alien World Aquatics. Good to see you again. What is the best food for Kerbenzis? Variety. Um, a variety. They'll eat anything. They're an omnivore. And in the wild, they'll kind of go picket stuff and you'll see them sift sand and, and mulm and all that stuff. Um, they kind of sift through and just pick out stuff. So they're an omnivore. Uh, they need some protein, but they get a lot of like detritus and algae and 
all that kind of stuff in their diet too. Little crustaceans, little benthic stuff that they kind of scrape off. So they can eat pretty much anything. So what I would recommend is variety. Uh, get a, a flake that you like, get a pellet that you like, get maybe a frozen food or two that you like, and then just rotate. And I think that kind of mix is good. The frozen or live foods will, you know, have the protein and kind of the, a little more natural food. Uh, they don't create as much waste in the digestive system, usually things like that. There's no fillers and stuff like that in them. Um, and then the pellets and the flakes are A, convenient, and B, have a lot of vitamins and minerals that are um, sprayed on them as they're processed so that if you're missing some vitamins and minerals by having a flake and a pellet and rotating that into the diet, you usually can, can prevent any deficiencies. So that's what I would say. Uh, and my answer is almost always variety. The only time it's not is if there's a, a fish that only eats like one thing, like let's say a South American leaf fish, that's a predator that eats fish. Well, it eats live shrimp too, but it, it eats live stuff that's moving, maybe some worms and stuff, but you're not going to be able to get that thing. I don't think to eat flakes and pellets and stuff, but besides those few edge cases, variety, variety is the key. Go fish aquatics. Hey, how big are the green giant angels that you have for sale currently? I'm fairly new to angels and never heard of these. So they are literally swimming right here in this aquarium. Um, here's one. Can you see that little guy? So that koi angel is full grown. So I'd say these guys are about a third to half grown. Um, if I look at the body size... I'd say quarter to 50 cent piece body size, somewhere in that range. So not adults yet, they're juveniles, but they're not babies. They're not tiny, tiny by any means. And they're looking good. Like the color's coming in on them really nicely. I think they're really cool fish. But anytime you see, like in most of my videos, I'll do an intro and an outro in front of this tank. And so as I do that, you can see them growing and stuff over time if you look at those videos. Although they've only been in this tank for a couple weeks, so. But from here on out. <laughs> Chewy LTD, yes, it is the bread and butterfish in the hobby like the Cardinal Tetra that people make their lives on. Some of the markups are not as high on the pricier fish because of worth. Yeah. Yep. And like if, if, if you're like, okay, I want to dabble in selling fish and it's a hobby and it's for fun then you can get away with fish that you can't mark up at a sustainable level and it's fun and it's fine. But if you're going to do this for a living, you better have a sustainable markup. Um, now you can get a few things in that you can't mark up as much. A lot of my expensive items, I'm not marking up as much, but, um, but you better have the majority of your stuff, a sustainable industry rate markup, or you'll find over time that you're just gradually going to lose money. Occasionally, you'll sell like a big item and be like, hey, I sold, I sold like $300. It's like, yeah, but you only made a few bucks off that, right? So it's not about what you get. It's about the markup that's important. If you're doing this for a living, hugely important. Keep those sustainable or it's not going to go well for you. Chewy LTD in the normal bed of Splendens is the normal bed of Splendens ever available as wild caught. Kind of. I've seen it. 
But if you talk to people that have been there and know Thailand really well and things, yeah, there's a lot of bettas that live wild there in the canals and stuff. But the idea that they're actually still wild um, is debatable because a lot of (laughs) over the years they've bred them and then released the ones they didn't walk back into the river, back into the canal. So there is really that I've heard of no true wild bed of splendens left. Now, there might be a pocket here or there that's super remote or something where maybe a true wild population still exists. But in general, in general, no. In general, even a wild bed of splendens is going to be heavily influenced by domestic breeding just because of how many times over the centuries domestic stock has been re-released into those habitats. Edward Rodriguez, one of my Fricata committed. Oh no, that doesn't sound good. SBS. So my ratio is now three males to two females. I noticed you don't have it on the list anymore and get gills all sold out pretty much. Um, I have a couple left. If you sent me an email, Edward, I could probably scrounge one up for you, a few up for you. I think I've got only like five or so left. And I took them off because it's a big, heavily planted 75-gallon tank. And um, the idea of trying to catch those last five out was a little daunting. But if you send me an email, email Edward, I'll, I'll work with you to try to figure that out. What's SBS mean, by the way? Yeah, I, I don't know that. I don't know what SBS means. Did it jump? I'm not sure. Hopefully the rest are doing well, though. Hopefully it wasn't like a a sickness or something. Um, Chewy LTD, when do we begin school on killifish on the species you're quarantining? As soon as I can, Chewy. Um, I'm burning the candle at both ends, my friend. As soon as I can. It's, uh, yeah, (laughs) that's all I can tell you. I've got to post all these fish. Um, got to try to get pictures and then I'll go back and start trying to, uh, make species videos for them. But it's just a time thing. It's not cause I don't want to, it's just, I haven't got to it yet. And I'm sorry about that. Um, Edward Rodriguez, sorry, pressed enter by accident. Oh yeah. No worries. Jeff Chambers, pictures, sell the fish, Dan. Come on. I know, I know. That's why I want to set up those little tanks. I think think it might make me able to get better pictures. And by the way, I called a photographer friend I have. He's a professional photographer that's done a lot of work with me um, over the years in the theater and stuff. And I basically said, look, I need to get better pictures. I don't know where to start. Like, what camera do I get? What lens do I get? What, What flash system do I get? All this stuff. And he's helped me out with that. So Pretty soon, I hope to have a better camera, better setup, and be able to get better pictures. I know pictures sell the fish. I've known that from the get-go. Um, I just, I'm horrible at it. I'm so bad at it. And then you're like, yeah, you could pay someone to take them. Yeah, but by the time you pay someone to take the pictures for you, any profit you made on that entire species is gone. A good photographer is not cheap. Dancely, lighting is everything for good picks. Yep. So I plan to get uh, good lights for those tanks. Yep. Absolutely. The whole goal is to make them so that they're a good environment to take pictures in. Even the tanks I'm going to be breeding the fish in, um, I want to make good videos and stuff in there. So, yeah. 
All right. Wait, I just saw Go Fish Aquatics. Number one worst thing, in my opinion, selling fish online is taking pictures. Yeah, I'm with you. It's my least favorite. Chewy LTD at Go Fish Aquatics. Not my field. I know people that are in the AKA, but Dan's Fish is a good educator. Yeah, I I, I plan to do some good videos uh, for you in, and for everyone else as well, um, Chewy. But I've just got to get a little bit of time. A little bit of time. Okay. Priscilla. Hey, Priscilla. Great to see you. Welcome. <laughs> I am here. You shall start. No, no, no. I am here. You shall start. <laughs> Priscilla's here. We can get going. <laughs> Party can start now. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> 54 Punchy, be sure to do at Dan's Fish, Christopher, so it will highlight your question. He will see it. That's right. Yeah, Christopher, if your questions are getting ignored, it's because I'm not seeing them. If you follow 54 Punchy's uh, directions there, it'll highlight and I'll see it. But I'm scrolling up to try and find the question I missed since 54 Punchy uh, mentioned that I had. Um... I've gone up a lot and I'm still not seeing it and I don't want to make this a boring stream where all I do is scroll. So if you'd repost it with an at Dan's fish, so it highlights, that would be fantastic. Thanks 54 punchy for helping with that. Candy overalls. This was miss Christopher Gonzalez at Dan's fish. What do you recommend for sterilizing a used aquarium? For me, it's hydrogen peroxide. That's my go-to to sterilize anything in the fish room. I love it. Um, I've used bleach in the past, but man, the, the smell lasts forever and, uh, and it's really toxic stuff. What's great about hydrogen peroxide is, yeah, it's like heavy duty oxidization like, like bleach. But once it's done the process, its byproducts, its waste products are water and oxygen. That's what it breaks down to. So if you sterilize a tank with chlorine bleach, say, which is really common and works fine, but you don't get it all out and then you fill it up and put your fish in and stuff, you could have a real problem. If you sterilize a tank with hydrogen peroxide, then once it's done going through its process, you don't have a problem because all the hydrogen peroxide has been converted into oxygen and water, both things we really want for our fish. So uh, that's why I use it. It's pretty benign stuff once it's, once it's, what is the term for it? <laughs> once it's done being hydrogen peroxide. Um, the other thing is it's super cheap. You can get a bottle for less than a buck, right? Like I think Walmart sells them for 98 cents where I'm at. So I can get a lot of it. So there's no price break really uh, between it and bleach. And since I like it better, yeah, that's what I would go with. Now, you do want to rinse it out and everything still, because if you have hydrogen peroxide left that has not been depleted, then you could have a problem. Uh, by the way, anyone that ever sets up a new tank um, or you reset a tank, you, you sterilize it and you're going to reset it with, you know, you have an established filter in another aquarium, you can pop in there and some plants and stuff and just set it right up. Before you go putting a bunch of fish in there, um, get one fish 
like a little guppy or something, put it in there and just leave it for a day and make sure it's still okay the next day. Because that's the only way to know for sure that everything's stabilized and there still isn't stuff being broken down or, or any chemical that hasn't been uh, fully uh, used yet and, and converted to some kind of benign form. So do a little testing before you go putting all your new prized fish in that tank. I, I've heard so many stories of <laughs> problems with that. So if you do sterilize, test before you go full bore with the new setup. Um, Candy, thanks for bringing Christopher's question to the fore so I could answer it. And sorry, Christopher, I wasn't ignoring you, but I, I wasn't seeing it because it didn't highlight for me. Chewy LTD, is there a possibility that you could make a playlist of the quarantine segments, including the chats that we have had on the subject? Um, well, I'm going to make a. It's in a playlist. It's in a playlist called Tips and Tricks. So in my channel, there's a playlist called Tips and Chick, <laughs> Tips and Chicks. <laughs> All right, I'm ending now. I'm done. No, jeez, man, I, I've had trouble speaking lately. So I released the second week of quarantine video that I made Monday, and I didn't know that I'd said the F word in it. And I didn't say the F word like I was mad and swearing or trying to say it. My mind has combined two words together and it came out and I didn't even know I said it. I thought I said something else completely. <laughs> I'm having trouble talking. Luckily, a couple of folks brought it to my attention and with YouTube's new editor, I was able to go and edit that out without like having to completely take down the video and reload a completely new video. But man, every now and then tips and chicks, sorry, tips and tricks is the playlist that it's under. All right. Edward Rodriguez, lol, SBS suicide by siphon. Oh no, oh, I'm sorry. Did I've we've all been? Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been there, man. I'm sorry. That is no fun. I was doing water change on your live stream last week. Used a Python mini for slow flow. Got distracted, and she snuffed her mortal coil. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's no fun. Well, at least it's not a sickness. That's like, ooh, is this transferable? What's going on? Sylvia R., it's great to see you again. Just a quick question. Do you allow people to pay for fish and then ask to hold them for a while? 100 plus degree heat wave makes shipping scary. Um, I'll hold them for like a week. So if you buy some fish and then it's like, ooh, this week is too hot to ship, then I'm happy to hold them. And I'll do that for a little while. But if I run out of that fish and it's been a couple weeks or so and we still aren't able to ship them, then I'll probably cancel the order and relist them for someone who can buy them. But yeah, you're welcome to order. And um, I can hold them for a bit. That being said, okay, so don't get, if you're totally uncomfortable with it, fine, I, I get that. But if you're willing to take a chance on me, I ship a lot of fish in hot weather and a uh, pretty good success rate. So what I would do is put a cold pack in there and have it held at the post office for you. And that tends to work well. It's been pretty hot the last few weeks and we haven't had, have I had any problems due to heat? I can't remember having any problems due to heat the last couple of weeks. Um, I know that one fish in the last two weeks, I believe one fish had trouble. 
And that's out of lots and lots and lots of fish. But I can't remember the details at this point. So it's it's like shipping in cold weather. If you're prepared and you do it right, um, the vast majority of the time, it's going to be just fine. Real stinks. We starting a we starting a new drink game. Every time Dan says, "All right," you take a drink. All right. Wow, that was just like three drinks. All right. Ooh, four. <laughs> How about all righty then? <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> Kaylee's Aquatics. Some resource Facebook pages have information tabs up top. These help immensely with repeat, repeat, repeat questions. Is GetGills.com capable of such a resource? Hmm. Information tabs up top. I mean, is it capable of it? Yeah. So is that, would that be like questions like how to something, a fish, how to treat a fish, how big does a fish grow, all that stuff? Um, because usually what I do, I, I think that stuff kind of already exists. I feel like if someone has questions about a species, um, a simple reference to Seriously Fish or Planet Catfish or a few other sites can get them started in the right direction. So yeah, I guess it kind of depends on what we're talking about. My When I first started contemplating this website and Jonathan and I were talking I was like, man, this should be the place where people come to buy fish, to sell fish. This is getgills.com. Come for information on fish, come for videos on fish, come for podcasts on fish, all that. But so that was kind of like the ultimate dream. But the truth is it's hard for an organization, especially a small one, to do lots of things and do them well. So if it's a thing like an information site like a place people could go to buy and sell fish or go if they had a question about fish and stuff, then at this point probably is not something we're going to do just because if we ever do do something like that, we want to make sure we do it really well. And we just don't have the uh, capability this time to do something like that super well. So based on what I'm understanding from that question uh, from Kaler's Aquatics, um, I don't think we would do that at this time not on the get gills page, but if it's something else, or if, if it's just like how to use the, how do I list a fish and stuff, then we have little videos embedded that we hope help with that stuff. Um, what we've tried to do is any question that we're getting all the time, like an email question about how to use the site, we've tried to just fix the site to make it more intuitive and easier to use. And then in cases where we still have done everything we can and still need a little bit of help, then uh, then we go ahead and create a little, little instruction on the site or a little video that's embedded on that page so people can hopefully find it. So those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts, Bob. Ty Hunsucker, I said it wrong. I was going to say Hunsucker. Hunsicker, 89 cents for 3%. Yep, yep, for hydrogen peroxide, absolutely. Candy overhauls. I tried at Jeff Chambers. Am I missing something from Jeff Chambers? Is that what's going on? No, I don't think so. Okay. 
If I am, Jeff, I'm sorry. I'm just not seeing it. <laughs> Tampa Tom, why the guppy is the test fish or, or any fish. But what I'm saying is put one fish in there before you put them all in. So if you have a collection of guppies and you want to move it to the new tank, put in one. Wait for a day or two and then put the rest in. That's all I'm saying. You heard it here, says Candy. Tips and chicks from Dan's fish. Yeah. <laughs> from Dan's fish. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> True LTD, due to the medication, Sherry Day, you just made me get five drinks. Gee, thanks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> Jeff Chambers. Where is the new building going to be at your house? Or are you going to look in for a commercial property? So it's going to be a commercial property. Um, I was thinking of doing it on uh, a property I already own. Uh, I have two lots where my house is. But the restrictions that the city has on something like that with the easements and the setbacks and all that weren't going to make it as much as I wanted. I, I kind of I went to the city and I had things I thought pretty good and then went to the next part of the city and they were like, oh, no. <laughs> so, I mean, there was a way to do it, but I have to finagle things. I'd have to. Anyway, I won't get into the details. So there was a way to do it, but not something I, I wanted to do. Then there was a basement in a local bank that I think I told you guys about. They decided they didn't really want a, a big fish operation down there, which didn't really surprise me, but <laughs> I was kind of hoping that would work. So now it's, uh, it's yeah, buying a commercial lot and just building a warehouse like a normal thing. <laughs> what? Kaylee's Aquatics, $50, thanks. Screw the stickers. Oh, are these the new, thanks so much, Bob. Are these the new stickers that, so face uh, YouTube popped up a message that said people can buy stickers now. Is that what those, that's what those were on the super chats. I thought they were like emojis. Those are the stickers, like the, the nail polish thumbs up and the, yeah. Okay. I get it now. I get it. And by the way, guys and gals, I didn't do anything to like put that there. I wasn't like, I'm going to put stickers and everyone will spend money on them. I didn't do anything. That's all Facebook. That's all YouTube. Like I didn't. Yeah. So not me, although they were kind of funny. Michael Wentworth. Collecting items for a hobby style room based on your fish room build, build, scaling your room down and not as a store. What would you do differently, if anything? Hmm. I might do more different sized aquariums if it wasn't um, like a commercial operation. Because basically I'm into like, I like breeding fish and I'd want to have, I like the 75 gallon aquarium. It's a, it's a great size aquarium. You can do a lot in it, but I probably do one row of just twenties and one row of just like tens, just to be able to like move fry easier and raise more batches and stuff. Um, 
because in a, sorry, <laughs> because in a hobbyist type room, that's what I'd want to do is like keep fish, raise fish. And, uh, so I, I, I guess I would up the different sizes of tanks. So I had more opportunity to raise different size batches of different sized fish. That's what I would do. Yep. The other difference I would do is, let me show you. Um, in, in the first tanks I set up, this is the lid, right? That's dripping on me. And what I did is I drilled holes in the lid to run my air lines through. Well, that's fine, but then every time I need to get the lid off, I have to take the airline and get it out and everything. So what I started doing, which is working well, is I just put a little cut in here and I drilled the holes for the airlines into the uh, rim of the tank so I can take the lid on and off and the, the airlines just stay there. So that's, that's, a, that's the one thing that I'm going through the whole room and... Uh, and changing just because it makes it easier to take the top off to like clean off the algae and stuff. So that's, that's kind of the main difference. Pretty much though, I'm super happy with this fish room. It's, it's a joy to work in. Um, oh, just for anyone about to build a fish room, don't cramp, like leave yourself plenty of space between the top of one tank and the bottom of the next tank, like 10 inches a foot. You'll be so grateful, especially if they're big aquariums. Also, don't cramp your aisles. Three feet minimum for an aisle. Uh, if you're going to be in there and working and stuff, three feet minimum for an aisle. Then the other thing is no aquariums on the floor. No aquarium uh, lower than like 18 inches off the floor because no matter what, you're just going to not take care of those as well as the others because they're hard to get to. It's like, oh man, it's going to hurt to kneel down there for half an hour and mess with that tank. I'll do that tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and two weeks go by and it's like, oh man, that tank really needs help, right? So those are, those are just some things to, to remember as you go about the quest of building a fish room. Those are my thoughts, Michael. I'm super stoked that you're building one though. I think that's awesome. Please keep us posted. Um, if you have any more specific questions... Yeah, I'm, I love fish room building and talking about it. Michael Wentworth, thanks for the awesome room build videos. Super helpful. I'm glad. I'm glad that they're, uh, that's the whole intention. Let's document this process and hopefully it'll help someone. So I'm glad it is. Just made it to Bob Kaler's $50 super chat. Thanks again, Bob. Oh, I missed one. 54 punchy. <laughs> $2. If I click on the sticker, does it get bigger? Like, can I? No. I wanted to like expand it so I could see it better, but superhero sticker. It's kind of cute. Kind of cute. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Candy overhauls. Hashtag screw the stickers and tips and chicks with Dan's fish. <laughs> <laughs> And the F word on occasion by total accident. Oh, by the way, I should say this. This channel is safe for like, I want anyone of any age that's interested in fish to be able to come here and participate and learn about fish and stuff. So anyone that might have seen that video before I realized that I had said the F word again, that wasn't the intention. Like I didn't, I just combined the word bucks, like money, dollars, like bucks and five into whoop, the F word. Didn't even know I'd done it in my head. 
um, until I went back and saw it. And I was like, oh, that's what happened. So I really apologize for anyone here that is young or has small children um, that saw that. It was totally unintentional. I didn't know it happened. And as soon as I found out about it, I, I fixed it. So I just want to say I'm sorry. Um, again, just because I want to make this a safe place for anyone to come learn about fish, even if they're young, because I would have died as a 14 year old boy for something like this. This would have been amazing. Jeff Chambers, 40 gallon breeders and 75 gallons, 125s or 150s for show tanks. For show tanks, bigger the better. I would for show tanks, I would go with 150s. Large tanks are just so much more stable. You get that height. The plants don't have to be trimmed as often. If you're doing a planted tank, your options for what you can keep in there expand for every gallon you go up in size. Um, show tanks, one of that list, 40, 75, 125, or 150, I'd go with the 150. If you have a nice big tank and you can get a nice big school of small fish in there, that's awesome. Or you're like, hey, I want a few big cichlids or something. You can do that. I mean, just your options expand so much. So for show tanks, 150, just because it's the biggest one on that list. Tapatum, can I put guppies on get gills for local pickup only? Yes. In fact, uh, let me show you how to do that real quick. It's very easy to do. So to do that, you would go to your store, shipping methods, Add a new shipping methods. You can call it whatever you want. Let's call it local pickup. Box price, zero. There you go. Now you have a local pickup shipping method. And doesn't cost anything, right? So that's how you do that. Um, and then when you go to your products, If you want a product to go in there, then you'd create a group that's like local pickup and add the product to the group and you would be fine. So that's how that would work. I'm going to delete that real quick because I don't actually have that. Oops. I don't actually have that. So I don't want someone to actually use that. Okay. I think now we're back to normal. Yep. But absolutely you can. That shouldn't be hard, Tampa Tom. And if you need, if you get into it and you're like, ooh, I can't remember how to do that or how do you do this, um, I'm around to help. I'm happy to help. True LTD, what do you think of fishless cycle? I think it's great, but I think sometimes people confuse, okay, I've got bacteria that create nitrates, means we're through ammonia to nitrites, nitrites to nitrates. So technically we're cycled with this tank is mature and ready to go. I can dump a bunch of fish in it. So as long as we understand that it takes several weeks, maybe a few months, maybe half a year, depending on how things are done for a, a tank to be actually established and mature and completely stable, then I think fishless cycling is absolutely fine. I mean, it beats putting fish through stress to get that to happen, right? But we can't confuse fishless cycle with fully mature tank. And people do that all the time. They're like, oh, I did it. Oh, I'm getting nitrates. Ammonia zero, nitrite zero. Nitrates are up. Good, it's working. Dump a bunch of fish in there, shocks the system. And now we have a problem because it's a brand new fragile system 
that hasn't really uh, stabilized yet. So that's what I would say about that is if we don't confuse those two things, then we're fine. By the way, my favorite way to cycle a tank is get it all going, like put the water in there, put the filter in there. Um, if you need a heater, get that in and stable. Let it go for a couple days and then dump in a bunch of live food. Dump in, go buy a half a pound of black worms, put them in there and feed them like you would fish. Like make a bunch of rapashi cubes and feed them rapashi. They'll eat it like crazy. They can take the higher ammonia and all that. Let them go for a few weeks. If you've got... Um, other tanks where you can take some cycled media and put it in there. That'll speed up the process. That's, that's usually how I do it. Um, and, you know, change the water like you would if you had fish in it and stuff. And after a few weeks, the tank will be all cycled and you'll have a bunch of live food in it waiting for the new fish. So that's my favorite way to do it. Now, I should put a caveat in here. Whenever I've done that, I always use like cycled media in plants and stuff from other tanks to jumpstart that. I guess I don't know for sure if you did that from scratch, if there's a certain amount of ammonia spike that, that would maybe kill the black worms off or whatever. But that's my favorite way to do it. Uh, use live food. It's fantastic. It doesn't hurt fish. And it uh, you get a whole bunch of free food growing up for your fish. Tampa Tom, thank you. You're welcome. You're absolutely welcome. Jeff Chambers, I kind of meant setting a hobbyist style fish room. Yeah, 40 breeders and 75 gallons. I kind of like Jason at Primetime Aquatics fish room setup. Oh, yeah. So I like 40s. I like 75s. I like 125s. I like 150s. Um, in the new building I'm going to build, it's going to be almost all 40 breeders. The reason for me is because then I'll be able to keep more species and I don't need a 75 gallon aquarium just to keep one species. And my goal in the new warehouse is to have one species per aquarium. So that's why I'm doing that. Um, then I'll never run into the situation where I have a tank going, everything's fine. I add the second species and one of the fish carries something that the other isn't immune to and then the whole tank crashes, right? I'll avoid that problem by uh, having one species per aquarium. So I like the 40 a lot. I think though for kind of like show, like a beautiful hobbyist fish room, um, I think the 75 is better just because it's taller. And taller tanks are better a better viewing experience. But if it's not all about the viewing, if it's about having more fish to play with and all that, then 40 breeders are great. I like them a lot. It's just they aren't as pleasant to view because the, the viewing window isn't as tall. Hope that was more on the lines of what you wanted, Jeff. Hopefully. Chewy LTD, I have used zebra danios to cycle tanks in the 60s, but it affects them just like any other fish that are affected by nitrogen and ammonia. Yeah, absolutely. 44 Mad Guy 1, hi Dan, how's it going? Good. You get my comment earlier? No. Hang on, I'm looking. I see hi, Maria. <laughs> Would you repost it? I, I don't see it, and I've gone up quite a bit. So if you would repost it, I will get right to it, and I'm sorry about that. I just I don't see it anywhere. 
Kaylers Aquatics, I did come home with four new fish, but none from the shipment today. They're saving some for me tomorrow. Those today were already too stressed. Um, sorry if you had to. Hopefully they, hopefully they do better. Hopefully they unstress. Wait, James, is there a fee to sell and get gills? So yes and no. There's no fee to post on get gills. But if you successfully sell an item on Get Gills, then the website collects uh, 5%. So I think that's a pretty good deal. If you um, sell 100 bucks worth of stuff, then the website keeps five for maintenance and upkeep and all that. And uh, also the credit card processor takes a small percentage too. So that company is called Stripe. They're like PayPal, but for multi-vendor platforms like Get Gills. And I think they take 2.9% if memory serves plus 30 cents a transaction. So if you sold an item that was $100, if you if you did a sale that totaled $100 on Get Gills, Get Gills would have five, um, Stripe would have $2.90 and plus 30 cents. So you would come out at about $8 in fees, roughly. Yeah. Now, if you don't sell, though, you don't get any fee. And man, I so I tried eBay fairly recently to try to expand a little bit and get more sales, and it went bad. I sold a few bucks worth of stuff, maybe a hundred bucks, maybe less even, and then I got a bill from eBay for forty bucks, <laughs> and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like, why, why do you want me? I think it was 40 bucks. It was, it, it was maybe as much as I sold, like not profit, like total as much as I sold. That surprised the heck out of me. I didn't know that the fees were so high. So yeah. So that's how we do it though. I, and I think they were charging me for stuff that I wasn't selling or something like that, just to list it for the privilege of listing it. I was getting an upfront fee, I, I think. I don't know for sure. Someone here knows eBay way better than I do. I, I just tried it and then got a big bill and was like, oh, never mind. But anyway, I think that I think it's a pretty good deal. 44 Mad Guy 1, it was it was like start of stream. Oh, no, that stuff got like cut off or something. I didn't see a lot of stuff from the beginning of the stream and I couldn't get back up to it. Just letting you know the African butterfly cichlids I ordered from you came in today and they were super good. All right. I'm glad to hear it. Awesome. Aren't they cool fish? Well, they probably aren't colored up for you yet, but they're cool fish. I, I can't wait for them to color up and settle in for you. I think they're awesome. Thank you for letting me know. I'm glad to hear they arrived in good shape. In fact, you know, I, I'm, I'm always a little nervous about shipping fish, but in the cold of winter, in the heat of summer, I'm always a little extra nervous. And it's so nice when people get back and are like, hey, they made it. Like, oh, I can relax. Or also very useful is, ooh, this had a problem. Like, I appreciate that too. Luckily, that doesn't happen very often at all. But yep, it's always a burden off my shoulders when I know stuff has made it. Oh, carbon release bedtime. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for being here. Always good to see you.
All right, we have reached the bottom of the chat and we've been going for almost two hours. So I think we can call it. Um, Thanks everybody for being here. If you have a question or comment that you really want me to get to, post it now because I'm going to do a couple thank yous here. And then if there's any questions or comments, I'll get them really quickly and then we'll wrap up. And if there aren't, then we'll just end it. But I want to start off by thanking my awesome moderators. Thanks, uh, Lumpy Dog, Taylor's Aquatics, Candy Overhauls, and 54 Punchy. I appreciate all four of you. Thanks for supporting me. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being awesome. Thanks for the cool stickers, even the ones with nail polish. <laughs> um, Everyone that gave a super chat, it's always so appreciated. It's never required, but thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It, it all helps. Um, everyone that had a good question or comment that kept stuff lively, I appreciate that. That's what makes this interesting for me and hopefully for you. And all you lurkers, I'm with you. I lurk too. A lot. A lot. Michael Wentworth, thanks for doing what you do. Appreciate all the help. Keep on keeping on. And Jeff Chambers, thanks for the stream, sir. Well, thank you all. Let's call it. I appreciate you all being here. We will be back next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. If you're trying to use getgills.com and need any help at all, dan at getgills.com. I'm happy to help. If you want to see the store, it's dansfish.com. And if you need a question, dan at dansfish. I'm happy to respond. You can get me at either email. And if you haven't liked, subscribed, shared, or hit notification bells and you want to, you can. Until next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, have a great week.